Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Nothing But Sports with Ken Sterling for Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. We know what this day means. We know it's a solemn day. We're going to respect it as a solemn day, aren't we? At the same time, we're not going to respond to what the intent of that day was by the attackers. What they wanted to do is change the way we perceive America. We'll never do that. Let's talk about Sports Nothing But Sports. All right, in, in a minute, we're going to talk to both Colts All-Pros. We're going to talk to uh, Darius Leonard. We're going to talk to Quentin Nelson about the challenges coming up this coming week and what they did on Sunday and how they evaluate their performance. We're going to do that in a few minutes. A couple of things I want to talk about first, Antonio Brown with the Patriots. Look, Antonio Brown is a self-absorbed nut. We know that. But if you're the NFL, you cannot allow a lone accuser without proper investigation to take away a player as important as Antonio Brown is from the New England Patriots. You just can't do it. You've got to come to a conclusion. You can't put a guy in a holding cell until you figure things out. You've got to figure things out and then act with some kind of disciplinary action. To not do that opens up the floodgates of potential accusers who would be allowed to manipulate rosters, whether it's this early in the regular season or right before the Super Bowl. That cannot be allowed to happen. Now let's talk about the uh, Fair Pay to Play Act, which is being uh, put through the California House of Representatives and said it actually it's passed the House. Now it's got to go back to the Senate because there's been some language added, and then it's going to be signed by the governor. And the NCAA sent a letter to California saying, do not do that. This law won't go into effect until 2023. So the NCAA, they've got about three years to get their act in order where it uh, comes to athletes getting paid for their likeness, which is absolutely right and just and decent. Well, not according to the NCAA. The NCAA has, uh, they said today that the Fair Pay to Play Act is harmful, unconstitutional, and would upend the balance of national competition in college sports. This is what's known as the sky is falling defense. That we know the rule sucks. We know it's ridiculous. But if you pass a rule to contravene our rule, then we got this problem. The sky is going to fall, and college athletics as we know it is going to end, which is completely ridiculous. It's going to evolve, and it's going to correctly evolve, because nowhere else in American life is there anybody doing anything that they can't get paid to do. All right? You can in everything else. Somebody wants to pay you for your image, they're allowed to pay you for your image, unless you're a collegiate athlete. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's unfair. It's wrong. The NCAA is wrong-headed in its stance. California doing what they're doing, I kind of get it. They're trying to hold a gun to the NCAA's head so they'll change the rule. You know what? Okay. Now let's get back to football. The Colts, 
back at practice this afternoon. Right before that practice, we spoke to both Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson. All right, let's talk to Darius Leonard. After watching the film and seeing how you guys did what you did on Sunday, what do you think of the performance against the Chargers? Uh, it wasn't acceptable. I mean, we, we didn't play uh, well enough to win. Is it like we heard Matt Eberflus yesterday talking about stripping first and not wrapping before that? Is it just the progression of the tackles? Is that the thing? No, nah, we just didn't get them to the ground. I don't think, I don't think you know, um, we just didn't tackle well. As the game went on prior to the overtime, did you feel like you were kind of getting there and getting there? you feel like there was some positive momentum? I mean, definitely we had some positive plays, but we had some negative plays too. So we, we look at film and we try to correct all corrections that we had and uh, go from there. And this is a different challenge, right, with the Titans. They're different from the Chargers. No, same challenge. You try to win. Yes, it's, no matter what game you play, you try to win each one. So I don't think it's a different different challenge because each game you try to win, no matter if it's a conference game or not. How's it different preparing for Phillip Rivers and preparing for Mariota? Nothing. Really? Not 11 against one. We always talk about it, just control what we can control. That's playing sound defense um, on our side of the ball, but not worrying about on opposing team. So you're the Colts defense, and the Colts defense shows up and does what it should do. It doesn't really matter who you're playing against. No, nah, we, I mean, we control what we can control. That is playing playing good defense, and that's what our ultimate goal is day in and day out. We can't control who's carrying the ball, who's throwing the ball. We just can control what we can do. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you, Darren. Yes, sir. All right, let's talk to Quentin Nelson. Do you like all the attention you're getting? A lot of online social media type attention. Uh, yeah. It's good. You do? You like it? When when you're playing again in a game against the Chargers and you've really established the run and you're moving the ball down the field, can you feel the defense getting a little bit tired? Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, when you're running the football and gaining uh, four yards here, six yards, like et cetera, and you keep making some good gains, it really starts to wear on the opponents, especially when you're being physical in the run game. What do you consider to be a successful block when you complete your assignment? Him not making the play. Okay, so it's not a matter of getting him on the ground, getting on top of him, none of that. You just want the guy not to play, make the play, and as long as he doesn't, you feel good. Yep. The five guys you've got working together, this being the second season, does that make your success at least in, in open up gaps for, for Marlon Mack? Is that easier? The experience we have after playing with each other last year helps us a ton. Um, I mean, we, we put together some good games last year, and uh, we're just trying to be more consistent this year um, and trying to do it to the best of our abilities every game and uh, establishing the run and uh, blocking the best we can. This weekend, you've got Tennessee, and Tennessee did a nice job of kind of getting things goofy for Mayfield and putting Mayfield in a position where he turned over the football. What do, you, do you need to do anything different this week against the Titans? Um, they, they've got a great defense um, and uh, presenting great challenge for us, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, you know, we're just going to go out there and practice and prepare the best we can going against their de- like the looks of their defense and uh, trying to execute all of our jobs with our, our technique and fundamentals that we have to use on every play. I appreciate it. Thanks, Quinn. I'll tell you what, you listen to Darius Leonard talk about defensive philosophy. I absolutely love it. We control what we control. It's not up to them.
It's not up to us to respond to them. It's up to us to do our job correctly and control what we control. And then you talk to Quentin Nelson. And I got to tell you the truth. Quentin Nelson reminds me of an offensive lineman version of Dick Butkus. Quentin Nelson is not about the circus. We heard all about the circus of the NBA from Kevin Durant yesterday. Quentin Nelson is not about the circus of the NFL. What he wants to do is dominate his opponents play after play after play after play. He is just single-minded in his desire to win his battle each and every time he lines up. And it's really fascinating to me. We, we have all seen the videotape of his dominance last Sunday in Los Angeles against the Chargers. It's kind of unbelievable. And what I like also is Quentin Nelson, he's not a quote machine, right? He's not a sound, a sound bite jukebox. You don't get like four answers from Quentin Nelson to whatever the question is. He is not political in the way he responds to any question. What he is is a guy who is going to, in one, two, or three words, he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks about everything. And then if you happen to like tap into a a decent vein with Quentin Nelson, he's going to expand on it a little bit. And you heard that too. I like Quentin Nelson a lot. And I think that he's one of those guys. We heard Bill Polian say it on the Dan Dockett show uh, last week, that if you've got a chance to go get a Quentin Nelson at six in the draft, you do it. Even though in Polian's world, Like guards are a dime a dozen, and you can go out and get guards, right? You've got to draft tackles high in the draft. You've got to draft quarterbacks, obviously, high in the draft. Wide receivers, he would go safeties high in the draft. There were places where Bill Pullian would draft positions high. And then there were positions where he'd sign guys as free agents, Right, And that's what you do with guards, unless you can go get a kid like Quentin uh, Nelson. And in that instance, you go ahead and take him because he is, as an offensive guard, an ambient player, as Rick Venturi calls those guys who cause coaches to have to take a sleeping pill in order to get a good night's sleep. Love Quentin Nelson. Frank Reich, he spoke to the media today. Let's hear from Frank Reich. Okay, week two, um, division opponent on the road. Obviously a very well-coached team. have a lot of respect for uh, Coach Vrabel and, and all that he's doing there and the way this team plays, so it would be a good challenge for us. With Dean Pease, where does their defense kind of rank on the exotic scale? Uh, the, their defense is, ranks high on the exotic scale. Uh, it's Sometimes our offensive coordinators will refer to it as a Rolodex kind of defense, I meaning it's, it's calling, he's calling something different on every play. It's just dial up the next card, the next call, um, and they do it well. And so that's, that's part of their DNA. That's who he's been. Did they surprise you how much they frustrated the Cleveland offense in week one? Yeah, they did, because um, you know, I – you know, think the Cleveland offense looked pretty good against us and, and you know, getting a chance to see those guys up close. So um, that's the thing with that kind of a defense. When it, there's some momentum behind it, when you feel like you get behind it, and I didn't, you know, I don't know what was going through their quarterback's mind or so on and so forth, but um, you, you gain momentum sometimes as a defense when you're making calls and switching it up and bringing pressure and getting home, and I think that's what happened on Sunday. What impressed you about them offensively? They put up 43 points against what seemed to be a Yeah, they're very well-balanced attack. You know, they have big playmakers as well, but very well-balanced attack. Marcus is a Mariota, very good quarterback. 
you know, can hurt you in a lot of ways. And they got good players. And obviously, Henry and a great runner. Um, I think in some ways, you know, our offenses are similar as far as what we want to do. I think they want to run it, play action, create some big shots there. We're somewhat similar. You know, just more so not enough practice time before week one. I mean, it's usually a week-to-week decision, but Taekwon probably hadn't quite practiced enough in our eyes to be ready to, you know, physically ready to go. So uh, we'll reevaluate that this week. Was he, uh, I don't remember him being on injury reports. It's just from stuff that was lingering from early yeah. in the preseason. Yeah, exactly. Frank, has, been, has there been a more concerted effort this year, and I know we're just one game in, to running behind Quentin Nelson? Because I know you guys did it, obviously, last year. It makes sense. But this year, especially on Sunday in the second half, yeah, well, no, that's a good observation, and sometimes that is the case. That wasn't the case on Sunday. It just had played out like that, with the way the hashes fell and the way the calls came up. So there are there are times in a game where, you know, well, I'm about to make a call, and I have an option to go right or left, and I'll say to Strauss or Nick, hey, you guys have a preference right or left here. Um, we talk about that stuff during the week, but sometimes in the course of the game. So there's usually maybe four or five calls like that in a game where I have the option to go one way or the other, and then depending on the flow of the game and the style of play. But actually in that game, it, it wasn't as intentional. Is he, is he like an offensive weapon in kind of a weird way? No, no doubt. Uh, there's, he is a weapon. I mean, you saw, the, you, know, you saw what he did to Melvin Ingram on that one play. Um, you know, that... that that's something that the teams see on film, and that can slow down a pass rush. You know, when you got to think about making an inside move, and that this guy may be coming back out. So, um, and you know, what I love about Quentin is he's, his mindset is just to be physical, play within the rules, but to be as physical as you can, and that helps set the tone for our offense. Frank, is Jabal any closer to getting back? Um, he's making good progress. I mean, making very good progress. Obviously, you know, can't. I'm not going to say any status, but we are encouraged. Practice today. Um, no, he's not practicing today. Um, what, what did you see with Marlon Mack in terms of uh, his ability to get the yards after contact? And I, I think his rookie year, we, we kind of put him in his box as a fast guy. And just how has he developed in terms of being a physical runner but still having that explosiveness and burst as well? Yeah, and I think a lot of that came with, um, you know, just him being healthy for the whole offseason. And just getting his body in the best shape it's probably been in, you know, strength and speed, um, right? That that combination, strength and speed equals power, you know. And Marlon's not a small guy either. I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but he's not a small guy. So, with his quickness and his acceleration and his strength, um, certainly showing he can make yards after contact. With all your analytics you do with the running game or that, why is he more effective second half? I mean, it's, not, it's really not even close. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think most backs, if you get into a rhythm, you know, if you get into a rhythm and you wear a defense down, I think some of the analytics is um, more so the defense wearing down. If, if, if you're getting your back enough touches, that means you're making first downs, running the football, and you're wearing them down. So I think it's a, a combination. And I think the backs get a, f- a feel of the rhythm, you know, of, of, the, of the way the game is going of the patience that it takes to find and see the hole, and I think that did show up with Marlon on Sunday. Considering you played the position, Frank, is it, at quarterback, is it hard to stay patient and kind of 
kind of let the running game get established, and especially when you're behind 15 points, and I say, let's just drive back in. I think, I think uh, as a play caller, it was harder for me at the beginning. Um, I think I've made that mistake enough times to learn from. I'm not saying I'll never make that mistake again, but, um, you know, I learned some hard lessons, you know, in, in that as a play caller early on, you know, not trusting the run game and not staying with the run game. Um, so I think that is something you learn with experience. Do you, do you mean that you last year, year or do you mean that before as a play caller? Do you mean like early last season? No. Uh, and early as early as a play caller, yeah, not early last season. I was going to say, I think you mentioned that after the Kansas City game where you kind of got out of what you wanted to do. Is that something, you know, that kind of what you're alluding to, changing what you want to get established uh, as far as not sticking with the run? Yeah, and for me as a play caller, it goes back to my, when I first became a coordinator when I was in with the San Diego Chargers So um, and calling plays there. So... I, I feel like I made that mistake there a few times and, and just continued to learn from it. Also, it's just, it's just one game, but I mean, is this where you want this offense to be roughly percentage right? You're not going to be 50 50 run pass, but yeah. you don't want to be 60 40 pass like, you, like this team's been? Um, yeah, no, I think I think when it's all said and done, I think we'll be a little higher percentage pass than we were this week. I mean, I'd like to think we're going to run for 200 yards every week, but that probably is not going to happen. Um, it'd be great if it did, um, but, you know, that's, that's hard to do. So, um, you know, we'll get in some games where we have to throw a lot, and we got the guys to do that and, and feel confident in that. So, But it is good to start the year out like this and establishing a, a good run game in the first game. Right, when you when – Given the situation, what did you start thinking about that, that two-point play call and then how easy was it or hard was it to make that call? Yeah, the two-point play call was pretty much predetermined uh, the night before uh, you know, and the morning of. You know, Nick and I always sit down and, and go through all those situations. And, you know, we, we talk about two-point plays and we'll talk about it on Saturday and then on Sunday morning. Before the game, he and I will sit down and we'll say, okay, it's a two-point play for the game. Is this our call? Is this really what we want to do with the game on the line? I mean, when it's really on the line, is this what we want to do? Okay, what if we have to go for two early in the game? Do we want to hold this one for when the game is on the line and go to our second one? We typically have three two-point plays on our call sheet. And then in addition to our tight red, which we can pull those over, that we discuss all that uh, on Sunday morning in depth. Right. Was like the run, you had the run game going. Was that just going to be the play? I mean, just because of the way you guys are running in the second half. Yeah, but that, yeah, but that was a pass. That was actually a pass check run. You know, I had both options in it. We were coming out and we were going to throw the ball if we had the right look. But we were actually anticipating that it might get to a run, and so and felt good about that run. Uh, we're making a yeah we're just making a very slight modification to our practice today it's going to be 10 minutes shorter um, it's going to be 10 minutes shorter and we're going to take the pads off after halfway through um, after halfway through the practice um, you know there again I'm just listening to Rusty and the crew on the analytics on the study on what it takes to you know we're not losing any. We're still doing all of our reps, all of our team period. We're not missing any quote-unquote practice time there, but shortening a few things up at the beginning and uh, just to try to stay fresh for Sunday. Coach, if you're in a film session with your quarterbacks, do you see an opposing safety make the type of play the league made in the end zone? What's that conversation with your quarterbacks look like after you see that? 
Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, you got to keep an eye on a guy like that. I mean, because those kind of plays, you got to have a knack and a feel to make that kind of play. So, and Malik has that. So, um, you know, I just think back over the years, and you play guys like Earl Thomas and Ed Reed and guys like that. Um, but trust me, a quarterback knows when there's a free safety who can make those kind of plays. Rivers said specifically that he saw him, but and again, I think this goes back to Malik had a great offseason physically, is healthy and strong, and has been practicing hard because of that, and I think that that's going to continue to show up. Last year you were 0-1 after a no-brainer could have won. This year you're saying different to the guys? Yeah, you know, what we all we talk about is all we talk about is one and zero, and so after that game's over, we're evaluating and we're just looking at it like, hey, the slate is clean. You know, we just have to attack this week with the same mindset um, each and every week. Coach, I just passed Peyton in the parking lot. Uh, was he talking to the guys before practice today? Or no, I didn't get a chance to have him come in, but uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to him in the weight room a little bit. So uh, we always love it when uh, when Peyton is around, and as you know, he spoke to us at camp. You know, not too long ago, and gave one of the best talks you could have ever given to a team. So good to see him uh, this morning and have him rub shoulders with a few of the guys as well. That's Frank Reich from earlier today. The Colts and the Titans this Sunday, 1 o'clock on CBS4. Tomorrow, doing a lot of social media stuff down in Bloomington, the campus of Indiana University, where in just about 72 hours, we're going to know the verdict of this game, this upcoming game between the Hoosiers and the Buckeyes of Ohio State. We do know this about that game, that whatever the crowd is on Saturday afternoon, that's going to be the picture on the cover of the media guide because Memorial Stadium will be packed with people wearing red. That's Ohio State's color. They got the scarlet and gray, right? Indiana's got the cream and crimson. Looks very good from above. So that picture is going to be taken this Saturday. And if you want to get your, your, your mug, a very small mug, right there at Memorial Stadium for everybody to see uh, next year on that media guide, show up this Saturday, get to Memorial Stadium, have some fun, and that's what college football always is. Is Indiana likely to win this game as a 16-point underdog? Uh, No, they are not likely to win this game. It's been since Joe Stasniak played offensive line for the Ohio State Buckeyes that the Hoosiers have been triumphant over Ohio State. That's a long time. Joe, I think, is now in his mid-50s. So it's been just that long. It's been about 30 years since Indiana beat Ohio State. It's unlikely on Saturday. But you know what? It's a weird game. The ball's shaped funny. It bounces funny. You never know what the hell's going to happen. So we'll watch. We'll hope. We'll pray. We'll do all those things. We'll wear our IU garb. And off we go. Uh, Breakfast with Kent. Tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, 8.15 on Periscope Live. It's a show so nice that we do it twice. And then, like I said, and that'll be from Bloomington. And then Sports Nothing But Sports from Bloomington tomorrow as well. I hope you'll join me. All brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry.